All right. How's everybody doing this morning? So All Church Retreat is an annual event that happens every summer. We used to do it in July, and it's gotten moved to June. We go to the UCM campus in Warrensburg. So uh, the, the idea is that because we're such a busy church, which if you're involved here, you know that, okay? Um, because we're such a busy church, we just want to take some time. And the way Sam puts it is we just want to get away together in the word together. So it's kind of like a family vacation that we all just take together. And there's sessions in the morning that we do. And then there's sessions in the evening. Um, but then you got all afternoon free. And then you have later in the evenings, if you can stay up that late. Okay. Then we just hang out and play board games and play cards and, and just visit with each other and kind of have that um, family time that we often don't get because everybody's so busy during the week. Yeah, Paul. It's in Warrensburg. Yeah, it's in it's on the UCM campus in Warrensburg, which is cool because you can go bowling or play pickleball or whatever. You know, there's all sorts of different activities that, that can be done there. So, you know, it's one of those things which if you can do it, you definitely want to do it. And, and um, if you can't, then be at peace. You can't do it. That's fine. It's not like you're going to miss the rapture if you can't make all church retreat. However, it is kind of a thing where it's like our Tuesday night prayer, corporate prayer ministry. Like if you don't go to it, you don't really know what you're missing. So I'll give you an analogy. When I was in elementary school, I used to have to go to speech, they called it. It was speech therapy because I couldn't say my S's. My name was like Christopher. Like I couldn't talk right. And so every, every day or three times a week, whatever it was, I would go to speech class. And um, I remember one time, uh, so I did this for like a year, right? So I asked the the teacher that I said, what do all the other kids do while I'm in here practicing my S words, my F words, you know, how's that kid? And she goes, oh, well, they're all out at recess. And I'm like, there's another recess that I'm missing. Okay. One week I fixed my speech impediment. <laughs> I came back. I'm like, my name is Christopher Best, and I would like to go to recess, please. She's like, okay, you're done. You can go. All I needed was the proper motivation. I didn't know what I was missing. Okay, and so it's kind of like that. If you don't know what you're missing, you don't know what you're missing. But all church retreat is one of those times. It's just fun. It's relaxing. It's encouraging. It's edifying. It's a little slower pace, you know, depending on our responsibilities, we either go for a walk or go do an activity or take a nap in the afternoon, whatever, whatever we need to do. But I would encourage you to consider that it's kind of like mission focus. So mission focus is our main missions conference that we do between Christmas and January. It's a rough time for families, admittedly. 
but it's the best time for college and, and, and like the high school, late high school to college age. So we're trying to catch them between semesters. So mission focus is something that you want to put on your calendar, all church retreat. There's other conferences. There's a discipleship conference. There's that, that's when we went to, right? We went to discipleship conference. There's also a certainty conference. So there's four conferences our fellowship puts on, but I would just encourage you to, to try to make those if you can. So, all right. Yes. Yes. I didn't see you because you're camouflaged. So I was going to go right past your, uh, like, over there. So I, I caught the mo movement. So I got that. So, man, thank you, Mike. Mike leads praise and worship for us the second Sunday of every month, if you didn't catch the pattern on that. So I appreciate that greatly. Worship is something that we can all do together. So even if you're an introvert, and, and, and you feel like sometimes you don't connect as much as you would like, praise and worship it is a way that we can all be doing the same thing at the same time, thinking the same and focused. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And so thank you, Mike and Deanna for, for leading that. Red, how much is a church retreat, Christine? For one person sharing so it depends on if you stay there or not if you eat there like i think it depends on what so yeah how would how would anyone know that would they just go online and fill out the application <laughs> so did you guys catch the baptism testimony this morning that lady said the young lady said that 11 different people from midtown had been inviting her to church for six years until finally she gave up and came like did you see that and now she's like it's not, the goal isn't you're going to join this church, but now like God used his people here over that much time. I am so grateful people just kept on, you know, she was a tough one. Yes. Wow. 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 Very cool. Wow. Driving Ubers? 
That's a little side hustle there, yeah. Praise the Lord. So Alvaro then, Alvaro gave his testimony, and he said that no one in his Bible study was evangelizing until the light clicked on, and they're like, we should evangelize. They started praying. They started evangelizing. And then they had six salvations recently. Okay, so I love those testimonies. Alvaro talked about he, he had to chip away at this guy he met at the gym, right? He had to chip away at him. And it took six months for this guy to finally surrender to the Lord. So I love that because um, I think that, that we should be chippers. Like, it's okay. Like I shared the gospel on Tuesday night to a young lady. She wasn't ready. It's like, okay. All right. Well, it's good talking to you. Right? I just, I just planted some, I just was doing some chipping. Now, the fact that she didn't fall on her knees and say, what must I do to be saved and get saved right there in that moment? I shouldn't be overly discouraged by that. What I ought to do is just focus on, I want to be part of what God's doing. So I just want to keep chipping away. So no matter who I'm talking to or where I am or what the situation is, I ought to be focused on walking with Christ in such a way that I, I get to be part of what he's doing. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning, a little bit in the book of Ruth. Now, I'm going to try to do the teaching part in 10 minutes. And then we're going to get super practical, okay? So, you know, Aaron, you can give me like the 10. Like you could help me if, I, if you guys are listening too slow. But open your Bibles too to Ruth chapter 2. Last week we looked at the picture of the field, and then we looked at the different parts of the field. The field is the world. We sow the word of God as the seed. We harvest souls. The world is... is our field, and we're laborers in the field, and Ruth ended up on part of Boaz's field. So we looked at parts of the field in terms of methods of evangelism. So we saw institutional evangelism, okay? We saw, what else? We saw confrontational. Let's keep going through these. We'll go quickly. Oh, relational evangelism. Next. Confrontational evangelism. Next. We saw invitational evangelism. Hey, come and see. That's we heard the testimonies this morning were invitational. And then finally, uh, street preaching. Paul out on Mars Hill, just street preaching. And, and um, I don't do that because it's not effective in our culture. In Nairobi, in Latin America, maybe we would do that. Confrontational evangelism is very effective in Nairobi. Scott can attest to that. But this morning we're in verse 4. Look at Ruth 2, verse 4. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. All right, any, any Bible students, does that catch, catch anyone's attention? Boaz came from Bethlehem. That should get our attention. And said unto the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless thee. You guys ready to get into this in 10 minutes? Okay, so first of all, explanation. In terms of this, we're just going to break down this verse into five different parts. So, behold is the first one, okay? So, behold is the same word in Scripture as lo. You've heard, 
lo and behold, we use that in our storytelling. Okay, lo is like, look. And behold is like, see, like, look and see, lo and behold. Now, it's the same Hebrew word in the Old Testament for lo and behold. It's also translated sometimes as see. So sometimes you want someone to see something and you're like, you need to look. Hey, guys, look. And other times people are looking, but they're not seeing. And you're like, you need to behold. You need to see what, what you're looking at in a different light, maybe. So lo and behold are the same word translated in different ways by our King James Bible translators in the Old Testament. Now, in Greek, lo and behold are translated from the same Greek word. So it means to see, but so, so we would say, look and see. Now, when God tells you, look, we need to look. When he says, behold, like we need to behold, he's kind of like, guys, pay attention to what I'm saying in my word. So that's, that's what, so lo, I'm sorry, behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. That's our next part. Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers. Now, you know that, that God, in different ways, in different times, and like God spoke to his people in different ways throughout the whole Old Testament, but in these last days has spoken unto us by his, by his son, by Jesus Christ, the living word, who came and was God's mouthpiece to humanity, Jesus Christ, now, now, we know he came from Bethlehem. We're going to see that in a second. But we also know in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. That Word put on flesh. Jesus Christ, okay, came and spoke unto humanity. So Micah chapter 5, 2, and Matthew 2, 5. I always remember this because the verses are just switched around. Let's go to the next slide. Okay, so go to the next slide. So Micah 5.2 is the prophecy that said the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. So Bethlehem is just like this little town. Bethlehem is not mentionable throughout Judah or Israel, except that that's where the Messiah is going to come from. And then in Matthew chapter 2, verse 4, this is where the wise men come to Herod and they're like, where is he? Herod's like, who? The king. Herod's like, oh, I don't know. Where? Where is, where is this guy going to be born? And we, when he had gathered together all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus is it written by the prophet. So this prophecy, Micah 5, 2, is fulfilled in Matthew 2, 5. And so you could just remember that because 5, 2 and 2, 5, they both start with M. That's how my mind works. I got to have tricks. Okay. But then also look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Who, who was at Tuesday night prayer or listened to it online? Okay, we talked about the Great Commission. So Boaz came from Bethlehem and spake to the, to the reapers. Okay, and Jesus came and spake unto them. Who's he talking to in Matthew 28? His disciples the laborers in the field. We're seeing very clearly 
that Boaz coming from Bethlehem and speaking to his reapers presents to us a picture of Christ coming and speaking to his reapers. Okay, so what did he say? He said, the Lord be with you. Okay, so that's our next focus working very quickly through Ruth chapter two, verse four. So let's go on. What we see, Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, next. So this is the same great commission, Jesus giving his reapers their job description, giving them their, their duties, teaching, now go back, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, there it is, look, I am with you always. We talked on Tuesday, the difference between always and always. You can pick that up then if you want. Boaz came from Bethlehem and spoke to his reapers and said, the Lord be with you. Lo, Jesus tells his reapers, I am with you. How cool is that? I am the name for God, Emmanuel, God with us. Super cool. Okay. So then what do we have? We have then the reapers responding to Boaz in Ruth chapter two, verse four. And they answered him. Okay. Just put this out there. Has God spoken to you in any way through Christ? I don't mean a, a maybe like an audible voice. I'm not saying I suspect you all of hearing voices, but I'm just saying like, like, I'm not talking about that, but has God through Christ sent a message to anyone here in any way? What's the message, Scott? Just it, whatever. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Read. Yeah, so both Scott and Farid are giving personal interactions where God has uh, encouraged them or drawn them to himself, answering their prayers. And anyone else? Nick? For me, it was when Jesus took his disciples, and then they didn't just stick around and hung out. Just they went when Jesus said his word, they left immediately to go to the go. For me, it was just trust God and just keep moving forward. All right. And just trust God and thank you. So God's spoken to Nick through his word to trust him and keep moving forward. Okay, we we gotta. I'm gonna cut us off because I'm probably running out of my ten minutes. Okay, but I know this: hereby perceive we the love of God. 
because he gave his only son, right? First John 3, 16. How do we perceive the love of God? Because Christ laid down his life for us. God has spoken to us through his son. Jesus came and he did talk, but he also did what? Laid down his life that we may live. He took our wrong and suffered on the cross. Okay, so let's look at some verses. Let's go on. First John 4, 19 and Psalm 27, 8. We love him because he first loved us. Okay. Now, a lot of people have trouble receiving the love of God through Christ. I mean, you did, you got saved, but then the devil's telling you like you're a bad person and you believe it. And so you're not actually perceived, you've received it, but you're not perceiving the love of God. And so you're not reciprocating that love of God back to him. But if we stop and think about how much God must have loved us to give his only son, you guys love me, right? You wouldn't give your son for me. I, I'm a dad. I, I love you, but I, I know you wouldn't give your son for me. Yeah, right. He'd be like, eh, we'll pray for you. Okay. When I think about how much God loved me and what Christ did for me, you know what it makes me want to do? It's like, I just want to lift my voice and praise. I want, how did we start our service this morning? Worship. Why? Because we're reciprocating back the love of God, what he did for us. Okay, so Psalm 27, 8, when thou saidst, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. We need to answer God in that way. Not just, I don't just mean like, there's a lot of people that say prayers. They're not actually responding to God in the way that he reached out for him. Okay, so let's go on. The last part of this phrase is, is they, they said back to him, the Lord bless thee. So if Boaz pictures Christ and he's given his reapers, he's coming and checking on him and giving him this encouragement, the Lord be with thee. Their response is the Lord bless thee. And that's that praise and that's that worship. We want here I am to worship. I'm going to add my voice to the company of believers gathered together in this place, lifting up the name of Jesus. Okay. The Lord bless thee. Now we know that God does bless his son. He, he set him above everyone else. He set him at his right hand. He didn't do that for any of the angels. You can read about that in Hebrews chapter one, but here's our key point for application. It's this, the power and presence of Christ are with those who he commissions to make disciples. And since most of us miss Tuesday night, let me just summarize the great commission this way. Jesus said, all power in, is given unto me in heaven and in earth, all power. It's absolute. Okay. Go ye therefore, therefore indicates that what I'm saying now is based on what I just said a minute ago. Okay. Go ye therefore, therefore, wait, based on what? Based on the fact that all power has been given unto Jesus in heaven and in earth, and then we're given our great commission. And then he says, lo, I am with you always. Always is all the way from beginning to the end of a time frame. It's different than always, which means every time. So the power and presence of Christ are with those that he commissions to make disciples. And I love the power part. 
It gives me confidence that if we pray, if we evangelize, if we make disciples, God is with us and there will be fruit from that. The devil can't stop us. I love that. But for me personally, the presence of Christ, I get to join him in this commission that he has, whosoever will, whosoever will, come join me in this commission. A commission is different than a mission. A mission is something to do. A commission includes the authority to do it. And we've been given a great commission, not just a great mission. Okay, so that's the application. You guys, God is with us. God is for us. His power is to be allocated to those who will be a part of making disciples. So the Great Commission, go ye therefore teach all nations. That's evangelism. Baptizing, that's, that's how people join the church. Okay, joining the group and then teaching them whatsoever things I've commanded you. That's discipleship, leadership training. And there's a generational process that goes all the way through. You guys with me so far? All right, Patrick, where are you? Hand out those tracks for us. All right. All right, these are the Are You Sure tracks. Okay, so Nick, you can pass them out here too. They're not yours. You didn't print them. You didn't buy them. You got them. That's okay. You can keep you can keep your stash. Uh, Patrick will get there. Okay. All right. Grab your track. What we're gonna do is just some practical equipping. We're gonna familiarize ourselves with this gospel tract. Anybody here ever seen uh, Ray Comfort? I know, Aaron, you've sent me Ray Comfort YouTube video links. Ray Comfort, yeah. Yeah, Ray Comfort is the way of the master guy. Have you heard about way of the master? What he does is he helps people see that they're lost by running through the Ten Commandments with them. And then he points out the solution to them. So he's a brilliant apologist and evangelist. Um, Ray Comfort on YouTube. You can watch some of his videos. But, but uh, okay, so you guys, let's go to the next slide. What we have here is the Are You Sure tract. Okay, this is what our church has designed and, and uses a lot of times in our evangelistic efforts. And what I want to do now is just spend some time, us as a class, working through this so that we're familiar with it. It's pretty easy to have this in your pocket. Okay. It's pretty easy to get a conversation going with someone. And once you do, you can say, hey, can I show you something? And if they say yes, kabam, right? This quick, we're, we're about to show them verses from the Bible, which will teach them how they can know to be saved. Okay? So you guys ready to get to work? All right. Are you sure? Let's go to the first, uh, the next one here. So. Look at page one in your Are You Sure tract. It's one, two, three, four. Okay. It's one, two, three, four. So the one is right here. Okay. So this is where you start. So the first thing we, we are going to present is that God loves you and promises that you can know for sure that you're going to heaven. So a lot of times you can start off with a conversation. So you're like, oh, you're a Christian, me too. Okay, so 
There's a lot of people who go to church, and so they think they're Christians, but they've never actually been born again. You guys familiar with that, right? Okay. One good question that you can ask is, do you know for sure that you're going to heaven? Okay. Now, a lot of those people who go to church, but they've never been discipled, they aren't in a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, they'll say, well, nobody can know that for sure. Okay. The Calvinist will teach you, you can't know that for sure. The Charismatics will teach you, you can't know that for sure. The Catholic Church will teach you, you can't know that for sure. Because what have you sinned since the last time you did confession, Patrick, huh? You don't know that you're saved. Deanna, maybe you lost your salvation last week and you need to get born again again. through. Uh... Okay, so like there's a lot of bad doctrine out there and people don't know the gospel. They don't know that they're saved. But this tract starts off with God loves you and promises that you can know for sure that you're going to heaven. A lot of times this will get someone's attention. So I'll sometimes start with that question. Do you know for sure you're going to heaven? And if they say, yes, I do, because, and then they quote the verses and say, I've put my faith and trust in Christ. And I know the Bible's true. So I know I'm, well, then I, then I know. But a lot of times this is my key as to whether or not they're really saved. Okay, so 1 John 5.13 is the first verse on there. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know, there it is, that you have eternal life, and you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So all you have to do is open up the Are You Sure tract with somebody to number one, and just start working through it. Okay, the place we're going to start working through, if we're going to follow this thing through completion, is do you know for sure you're going to heaven? That's your starting point. Okay, you with me so far? Because 1 John 5.13 says you can know. These things have been written unto you so you know you have eternal life. Okay, so that brings up the question, why isn't going to heaven automatic? So if you're sharing this with somebody, you would say, so, you know, that brings up the question, why isn't going to heaven automatic? And then we're going to start now working through kind of the way of the master. So before someone is going to be truly interested in salvation, they have to know what they're saved from. Okay, so Isaiah 59, 2, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Sin separates us from God. That's why going to heaven isn't automatic, because sin separates us from God. Okay. When you stand before God and he asks you if you've ever broken any of the Ten Commandments, how will you plead? Innocent or guilty. Now, what we need to do is familiarize ourselves with this tract sufficiently that we can use it. I do not recommend reading it verbatim. If I get a chance to share with somebody, I'm not just going to be like, so why isn't going to have an automatic because your iniquity is like, like you're going to lose them. Okay. But if, if you can show them, so what are the Ten Commandments? We could think of the Ten Commandments as God's moral law. So if I'm, if I'm sharing this with somebody, I'll be like, okay, so, so Mike, you've probably heard of the Ten Commandments, right? 
the Ten Commandments? Yeah, that's like God's moral law, which shows us what we need to see to understand our moral state. Can I, let, let's look at some of these things. Commandment nine, thou shalt not bear false witness. Okay, Mike, have you ever told a lie? No. Okay, so you, there's one right there. Okay. All right. Commandment eight, thou shalt not steal. Mike, have you ever stolen? Yeah, okay. Okay, commandment seven, thou shalt not commit adultery. It's like, okay, well, I'm good there. I haven't committed adultery. Yeah, but except Jesus said, if you look at a person and lust after them, you commit adultery with them in your heart. Okay. You've committed adultery in your heart. Okay, so what you do is you just go through these questions. So, all right. So you've, you've lied, you've stolen, you've committed adultery in your heart. What do we call, here, here's where it gets personal, okay? All right, so Fareed, huh? Yes, it is, exactly. That's, yeah, he works with Ray Comfort. Okay, so Fareed, you've told a lie, you've stolen, you've committed adultery in your heart. What do we call people who lie? What do we call people who steal? Pittsburgh Steelers. What do we call people who commit adultery? All right, you, by your own confession, are a lying thief and an adulterer. And you could go through the, the, all the Ten Commandments, a blasphemer. Like, like you could go through, okay, so now here's the bad news. If you were to die right now and stand before God and all those things, would, would you be innocent or guilty of keeping God's moral law? Guilty. And our sin separates us from God. Okay, we're just like, we're working through this. So, so here's the problem at the bottom of page one. The problem is we are guilty of breaking God's law and our sin separates us from God. Now, look, we could have just read Romans 3.23. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Like, it, like we saw that. Now we've worked through it and we're, we're like, God should have our attention, right? Okay, so then we move on to number two. Okay, so check out your, your, your tract, okay? Again, I don't recommend reading this verbatim. What you need to do is familiarize yourself with it because you might only have two minutes. You might not have 20 minutes and you might just have to pick out Romans 3.23. Okay, so, but anyway... So do you know the penalty for breaking God's law? We've, we've, uh, we, we determined, uh, number one, we've broken God's law. Okay, and this is where people are just like under conviction. Number two, what's the penalty for breaking God's law? Well, all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Man, I'm a liar. We just covered that. All thieves, no thieves shall inherit the kingdom of God. Ah, why? For the wages of sin is death. God gave us a free will and freedom of choice. He did not make us robots to automatically love and obey him. We choose to disobey our God and go our own willful way each day. Okay, now, so people recognize their problem. 
you know, all over the world, there's people sacrificing chickens to the idols, right? They're doing works. I remember in El Salvador, the, 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 the Catholic, devout Catholic people, man, bless their art. They, they would walk on their knees across the courtyard and there would just be blood, like knee tracks in blood, dragging across this to try to make up for their sin, to do penitence. Then they come in and they give money to these idols and go and pray to each of these saints. They're trying desperately to absolve their conscience because they know they have a sin problem. Okay, so here's what people do to try to go from, you can look at your, your tract, to go from the sinful people side to make it over to the God holy side. They try to do good works. They try to trust in religion, morality, philosophy. There's no end to different ways that people will try to get over here to God. The, the, the Bible says there was a way that seemeth right unto men, but the end thereof are ways of death. That's all these things. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that none of yourselves it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So that's the focus here. It's not of works, it's of faith. So we cannot get from over here, separated from God because of our sin, to here through our own works. It has to be by faith, okay? You guys feel like you could share that with somebody so far? Yes. Yes. Okay, all right, next, number three. All we're doing is going one, two, three. So instead of all these other things that man tries to do to get to the other side, God has already taken care of it. He made a way, and that is through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you got to love the little picture. This guy's like, no, I'm not going to go over there. This guy's like, oh, my goodness, I see it. I'm, I'm running across that, that bridge. Jesus died on the cross, was buried, rose again from the grave. He paid the penalty for our sin and bridged the gap between God and people. There's your gospel presentation right there. The Bible says there's one God and one mediator between God and man, and men, the man Christ Jesus. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. God commanded his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, that last verse right there is the key. So here's what I like to do. I like to say, okay, the gift of God is eternal life. Okay, so what is the gift of God? Eternal life. It's a gift. And I like to focus on that gift part. Okay, so if I offer you a gift, if I offer Paulette, a gift. Okay. Hey, I'm offering this. She just took it. Okay. What's her other choice? Hey, Paul, let him offer you a gift. You can reject a gift, can't you? But you can't buy it. You can't earn it or else it's not a gift. It's a purchase. Okay. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And what we want to do, listen, lo and behold, what we want to do is actually bring people to a point of decision. Don't try to make them pray. Don't try to force them to make a decision, but you want to bring them to that point of decision where they see God through Christ 
offering the gift of eternal life and their choice is to receive it or to reject it. That's the point of decision that every single human being needs to come to. That's what we're trying to do here is bring them to that point of decision. And a lot of times, if you if they understand number one and number two, by the time you get to number three, they're like already saved. I can't tell you how many times we I've said the prayer, but it's already a done deal. You could tell this person just became a new creature in Christ before my eyes. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Have you had that happen? It's pretty cool. Okay, with me so far? Number one, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Number two, it's not works, it's faith. Number three, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, number four, our response. So we must trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and receive him by personal invitation. This is how you receive or reject that gift. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in unto him and will sup with him and he with me. Revelation 20. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them gave... Now, he came to his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. In Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Not might be saved, not could be saved. We're not adding this to good works and confession and speaking in tongues. According to the word of God, if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, we shall be saved. That is how you receive the gift of God through eternal life. Uh, receive the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so here's the deal. That is the clear gospel presentation in four simple steps, bringing people to a point of decision. That's how you use these tracks. Okay, so I have a question. Is there anybody here this morning that would say, I've never heard the gospel presented that clearly, and I'm not 100% sure I have done that, that I received that gift? Anybody? Okay. Praise the Lord. Now, it goes on. There's a sample prayer. Then this, this is after four. These aren't numbered anymore. Okay. But it shows us how we can receive Christ, admit our need, or we're a sinner, be willing to turn from your sins and trust in Christ, believe what Jesus said, and then receive that gift of eternal life. Invite Christ to come in and be Christ in your life personally. And here's a, a sample prayer that, that you can do, okay? It's not a magic prayer. It's not hocus pocus. If you don't believe in your heart and you say these words, you're not saved, right? But it gives us some samples. And then the last part is your, your assurance of what just happened. Let's say you, you led someone to a point of decision, they received the gift of eternal life, they put their faith and trust in Christ. But then like two weeks later, how are they going to know for sure what happened was real? Like when the devil starts chattering, it's because of what the Bible says, their faith came by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it wasn't this tract, it was the Bible verses. In this tract, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ was the power of God and a salvation in their life. And faith came by hearing and hearing by the words of God. 
So that's a good thing that they included that in this tract. You can remind them of that, okay? Sometimes I'll say, you know, this verse says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, thou shalt be saved. Okay, do you, do you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth? Have you done that? Okay, if Romans 10, 9, and 10 is true, are you saved? Yes. Yeah, if that verse is true, and you did the first thing, and you did the second thing, then thou shalt be, then you're saved. Okay, is the Bible true? Yes, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay, and then the last part, which is super cool, it has our church map on the back. So let's say you're, you're you know, you're cranking through this and, and they're like, I got to go. You're like, okay, look, just take it. Just take the tract. If you have questions, like here, show, show up. Okay, or it's just come and see. Like sometimes I'll use these as an invitation. I don't even go over the track. Like they're like, where do you go to church? And I'm like, oh, funny you should ask. Right here, here, just take that. Right there, it gives the map to our church and it gives our service times. I'm just simply giving them the location. Now I know very well, they're gonna go through, they're gonna read that track. Right, and I'm sending it off with a prayer. Like, they just asked about where I go to church. I've, okay. If I give them this and they read it, man, that's I'm giving the gospel that quickly. Just does that make sense? They're going to read through it. They're going to get the gospel reading through this. Did, did, did anybody come to Christ from a gospel tract? Did anybody do that? You did. You remember which tract it was? Okay, the Romans Road tract. Romans Road at its most basic is Romans 3.23, 6.23, Romans 10, 9, and 10. Those are the, you got to have those three verses to have Romans Road. Now, sometimes we'll add in Romans 5.12 or some other verses in there. I like to, to start in Romans 1, Romans 2, Romans 3, Romans 6, Romans 10, 9, and 10. So yeah, Romans Road to salvation. The, those verses are, are in here for the most part. So, okay, any questions on this? Okay. All right. So the question is, how do I approach somebody who doesn't believe in God in the first place? So like they don't even have a real concept of sin, like they don't care about it in the first place. So, uh, you know, watch some of those Ray Comfort videos on YouTube. I love watching him. He's so good in the moment. But typically, this is why I start with Romans 1 and Romans 2. So Romans 1 teaches us that creation bears witness of a creator. Okay, so let's say who wants to be Dempsey. Okay, so I'm like, hey, Dempsey, do you believe in God? You say no. Okay, so you're an atheist, Dempsey, is that right? Okay, so Dempsey, what are you sitting on? You're sitting on a chair. Now, somebody designed and built that chair. How, how do we know that? 
Okay, there's documentation. Okay, the chair itself bears witness that there was a designer and a builder because chairs don't create themselves. The creation bears witness of a creator, and that's what Romans chapter 1 tells us. We know that something can't come from nothing, so the Bible tells us that creation bears witness of a creator, and you know that in your heart. And, and okay, now here's what I do. I don't want to have a 45-minute philosophical discussion about the origins of the universe. I am trying to get to the gospel. So what I'll say is, Romans chapter 1 says, it teaches us that creation bears witness of a creator. And Rome, and then Romans chapter 2, like before we get a chance to go off on a big long tangent, I'm going to guide this discussion to the place where I get to give the gospel. Because that's what I'm, God, the, the entrance of God's word brings light. The preaching of the gospels, the power of God and the salvation. I know God is with me. I know he's for me. I know he will build his church. I know the gates of hell shall not stand against me. But if I don't get around to giving the gospel, the, then it's, it's going to be limited. So that's what I do. Romans chapter 1, creation bears witness of a creator. Romans chapter 2, your conscience bears witness that you've got a problem a sin problem with your creator that must be solved. Okay, so here's what Romans. So Romans 1, creation bears witness of the creator. R Romans 2, when you judge others, you condemn yourself. Not because judging others is so bad. Okay, judge not lest you be judged. People are telling me not to be judgmental. That's not what, now, I shouldn't be judgmental. But that's not what that verse is talking about. What that verse is saying is you knew it was wrong because you judge others when they do it. Don't you hate it when someone lies to you and talks bad about you? Yeah, I hate that. Have you ever lied or talked bad about anyone else? Yeah. Okay, you knew it was wrong because it makes you mad when other people do it. That guy that goes speeding by me, I hope he gets a ticket. And like 10 minutes later, after my five-hour energy shot, I'm like, oh, doing the same thing. I don't say I hope I get a ticket. But the reality is I'm doing exactly the same thing that I just judged someone else for doing. Romans 1, creation bears witness that there's a creator. Romans 2, there's such a thing as right and wrong, and we've done wrong. That sets the stage then for Romans 3. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 4, it's by faith, not by works. Romans 5, Christ came. So through Adam, the problem came. Through Christ, the solution comes. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 7, the battle with the flesh. Romans 8, like, like you could just go through the whole thing, but basically we've got the cliff notes in here. So that's what I do is... The, the Bible says the heart bears witness. They know there's a creator. They're just mad at him. They don't want to think about it. They want to choose a philosophy that lets them do whatever they want. So that's what I do. And if I just get completely off and, and they're like, they will not engage me in a spiritual conversation, I'll just be like, you know what? It's really good talking to you. 
this is our church address. If you ever feel like you, you want to come to church, just take this and, and then you just give it to them like you're giving them a gift or a ticket to come to church. Like, here's a free ticket. Come, like, you're invited. And then officially invite them. You are now officially invited to come see for yourself. Okay? So I'm going to go from confrontational or relational evangelism to come and see evangelism. Because I got the map right back there. I can tell you're someone who's interested in spiritual things, who likes to think for themselves. You should come and see. Get the data before you decide. Yeah, Patrick. So, so what Yeah. Stories, there's a lot of them I can't believe because it's just, you know, throwing them into the telephone. How can I take what you're just saying from this world called you know, good models men? So, so men will walk there because, okay, I'm talking about the person, but I don't even want to hear or understand that this is God's word. I mean, I don't know. So, so, this is a similar question to Mary Beth's question. So Mary Beth is like, well, what if they don't believe in God at all? Don't care about any of it. Patrick's like, well, what if they don't believe in God's word as we're sharing God's word with them? Anyone have an answer for Patrick? No? Yeah, Patrick. Uh, Nick, sorry, Patrick. I think you in the past is like we don't take personal. Our goal is to get the gospel and accept accepted. If not, we don't. Later on, down the room. Come on, come So don't take it personally. Don't get in a fist fight because we're you know just it's. So be a chipper. Keep chipping away, Tim. Oh, there you go. Can we get a cup of coffee to just look at it together and look at some more? What about take the attitude? Things, say that again. Okay, so you would, so, so the Keith is saying, <clears throat> you know, the scripture didn't come just through man. Okay, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So the Bible says that the, the scripture is actually written by God, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21. So then you could use that in your conversation. Like, well, have you ever had a spiritual experience? Okay, so is there room in your understanding that the Bible was written through the, a spiritual experience? Is that, yeah, okay. So, so, so here's some things you can do, okay? One is you can switch gears. Okay, well, I showed you what the Bible says. 
And, and those are some verses, but you don't believe the Bible. Can I tell you how I came to believe in this? Because there was a point in time, too, in which I didn't have faith in God's word. And then you can switch over to your testimony. And, and, and if, if there's people that will relate to how you used to live, you can tell them about how you met Christ and what your life looks like now. I think what I would do probably in that place, Patrick, is I would probably just say, well, did you know the Bible was written over a 2,000-year time frame by 41 different men on three different continents. It's 66 books, which have all come together, and it is organized in a perfect manner. It all fits together, and it does not contradict each other. In fact, can I show you one of these patterns in Scripture in two minutes? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Abel's lamb that was accepted in Cain's works that weren't. I'm going to go to the Passover lamb in Exodus 12. I'm going to go to the lamb on the, the day of atonement that's shed in Numbers chapter 22. I'm going to go to John chapter 1, where, G, where Jesus, uh, John is baptizing, and he sees Jesus, and it says, Behold, the Lamb of God that comes and takes away the sin of the world. And then I'm going to go to Revelation chapter 5. We're going to see the Lamb sitting upon the throne. We're going to see the Lamb all the way through Scripture, that pattern. Now, that book was written by 41 authors on three continents and multiple languages over 2,000 years. There's, there is no way this is all just man-made. So anyway, I'm going to try to validate Scripture, and then I'm going to do what Tim said. said, you know what I would love to do? I'd just love to sit down and look. You, you go get geared up. You go on the Internet. You find all the atheist websites. You find all the reasons why the Bible isn't true. And then let's just go get coffee and we'll just have an open, we'll just, we'll just have open Bibles and we'll just go answer your questions one at a time. And let's just work through it and see what the Bible says. Like I might, if they're kind of a rebel a little bit, like I might just challenge them on that. Okay, we're out of time. We got to go. Hang on just a second. We're out of time. Time out. Okay, so you got your tracks, right? Study your tracks. Next week, we're going to have people come up and practice evangelizing. So don't skip next week because you're scared you might get called up. Okay. But just, just familiarize yourself with this. Okay. We'll make it fun. Okay. But we'll also, let's just, let's get, get so here's your homework. Familiarize yourself with this. Okay. So that you can use it without having to just read through it verbatim. Make sense? Let's just get equipped. We have a tool. Let's learn how to use it. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.